Sports Talk 93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. Get ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And good Saturday morning. Great to have you here on the program with us. Uh, it is a beautiful morning, and we are very uh, thrilled to have a special guest here on the line with us uh, for the CEO Roundtable this week. Uh, brand new to Columbia, the new uh, chief executive officer, the new president of Boone Hospital, Troy Greer joins us. Good morning, Troy. Good to have you with us. Hey, good morning. Thank you very much for having me on, Fred. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Tell us uh, a little bit of how long you have been on the job. How many days? Uh, this is uh, formally, I guess, 15 days in the books as far as being at the office, but it'll be my 16th day since relocating. Okay, very good. Well, uh, tell us uh, a little bit about your background and, and where you're coming from. Sure, I would love to share that. Uh, I've been involved in hospital administration for a little bit over 23 years now. Uh, it's been a career that's taken me from Jacksonville, Florida, through uh, Houston, Texas, and uh, most recently over in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I was uh, most recently the CEO of Loveless Medical Center and the Heart Hospital of New Mexico. And so it's been a, a wide variety of opportunities to lead in very different types of communities, and uh, I've enjoyed each one of those stays and the people I've been able to interact with. So when the headhunters came after you uh, looking for a new CEO for Boone Hospital, um, what was it that attracted you to Boone Hospital? What was something what, what was uh, it that, that intrigued you? Well, you know, it was really kind of interesting. I became aware of the position, um, not through the recruiters, but I, I just stumbled across an article about it. And when I was in graduate school, I'd actually studied uh, some activity with, with BJC and, and the merger from way back when. And so I, I kind of was already vaguely curious about the, the opportunity. But what really struck me the most was the passion and the purpose that I saw in the community. Um, passion for this institution by by the people that we serve, but also the institutional passion for their community. And that was exhibited by the trustees really uh, taking a bold step and saying that, hey, we want to make sure that we're meeting our needs here locally. Um, but the purpose was demonstrated in the high quality care that we see every day. Uh, Boone Hospital's ranking as the number one hospital in mid-Missouri by U.S. News and World Reports and their Medicare five-star rating, where things just really grabbed my attention. And then as you started digging deeper, you saw how strong the culture was and uh, any executive would be thrilled and, and considered a privilege to lead that type of an organization. I ran into a couple of uh, your orthopedic surgeons uh, earlier this week, and they told me that, uh, and I had not heard this, but that uh, Boone Hospital is actually listed by Beckers uh, in the top 10 uh, in terms of hospitals, brand awareness, uh, preferences. Is that, is, is that something you're familiar with? Absolutely. There's an organization called NRC that does lots of research, and uh, this is really interesting. The methodology, I think, is, is something that our community should really be proud of. They called people randomly in communities and said, uh, what is top of mind awareness for different types of healthcare institutions? And the frequency with which Boom was mentioned was put up with some of the national providers that actually sometimes provide international service, and we were ranked in the top 10 uh, by that particular organization for uh, what's called brand loyalty and patient loyalty towards an institution. So huge accomplishment and a great reflection of the teamwork that takes place here at Boone every day. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I uh, 
of course, I spent 14 years as a trustee and, and uh, uh, work in marketing. And, and uh, in addition to my role as a county commissioner, I, you know, with the county, there's so much pride in this county about Boone Hospital. And, and I'm sure, as you've already discovered, we have some pretty amazing hospitals right here in, in Columbia. University Hospital is an excellent place to get care. But uh, there seems to be an affinity uh, for this locally owned uh, Boone Hospital. Is, has that something that has become apparent to you? Well, well, clearly, and, and first off, thank you for your service uh, as a trustee because having that kind of leadership and guidance in a community is critically important. But yes, I, I have seen that. Uh, I was in a grocery store and, and I had forgotten to take off my badge coming out, and <laughs> I was stopped by a young lady who said, "I am a Boone baby," and, oh. and I began to realize the the impact of, of Boone and the brand. And you know, we certainly are a regional provider, and, and you absolutely hit on something that's very important. Uh, Columbia is blessed to have great healthcare resources, and I think. I think that that's a fundamental aspect of a healthy economy to ensure that employers feel comfortable with the level of health care that is provided in the community. And the pride that takes place is one that's reciprocated by the people who come to work here every day. They want to give great care and great service to those people that put trust in them. Yeah, yeah they sure do. And it, it, as you look at your background and, and kind of, you know, you're 15 days into this, but uh, as you look at your back, background, what 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 are some things in your background that you think make you particularly well-suited for for this new position at Boone? Well, you know, I, I have been blessed at every stop that I've had. I've considered it a privilege to serve in those communities, but I have a very broad experience in both large and small healthcare organizations, whether it's systems or individual institutions. And I've been in states oftentimes that mirror some of the things that you see here with urban hubs, with, with larger hospitals that have to maintain very good, close, tight-knit relationships with outlying hospitals whose challenges sometimes can be much more, they're much different, but, but much more challenging. And so I think that being part of a collaborative environment throughout a community where I was fortunate enough to serve has been a huge sort of like a staple of my career. Uh, I've had opportunities actually when I was in uh, New Mexico. We did a lot of collaborative efforts with the University of New Mexico. And I think that was the right thing to do for our community and to find things that we could do together oftentimes provided services that might have been difficult for either organization to do otherwise. And so I think those are sort of one very broad sort of uh, experience that I've had. And then one more specific example about the opportunity to come together for the sake of the community. Yeah. We, you know, we had Dr. Uh, Jerry Kennett, who is the chairman of the Board of Trustees, also a, a heart doctor at Boone, on just a couple of weeks ago. And, and so some of our listeners may think that we're getting carried away with uh, too much Boone Hospital coverage. But uh, we wanted to get you on as soon as you uh, we possibly could uh, when you were coming to town and, and uh, talk to you about uh, your initial thoughts. And, and uh, one of the things I want to ask you about is, is uh uh, now that you're here, uh, what's different about Boone Hospital from, from other places that you've been? What's something that sort of stands out? Well, first off, the, the culture is evident right out of the gate. I mean, that, that's the nice thing, and it's something that's very encouraging. Uh, the support that we see both towards the community and from the community is something that is somewhat unique. Um, you know, I've been in, in large competitive markets. In Houston, people may have a preferred hospital, but I don't think that it resonated in the spirit of a community because there were many, many hospitals to choose from. I think the 100-year history of Boone and what we've meant to this community, and ironically, uh, given its creation during a, a national pandemic and, and now serving in its 100th year yeah. in a national pandemic, I, I think that that just resonates with a, a community and it's part of their, their heart and soul. 
And uh, that passion drives us to make sure that our quality is good and our service is good. And it's a, it's a big moral responsibility to a very large section of mid-Missouri. Yeah, I understand that part of your interview process was uh, actually meeting with community leaders and, and uh, folks from around the community. Uh, what was that process like? Well, you know, it's interesting. That meeting in particular, along with one others, were, were big differentiators for me to decide that uh, that that I wanted to take on this opportunity. Um, you know, when you go through the process of interviewing for a job, there are things about it from from afar that you're able to see, and there's things that are appealing. There's things that you're concerned about. But but if you're in the fortunate position of, of having a job that you love and a community that you love, it's a big change. That meeting at 12 o'clock over lunch with people in the community who were just passionate about Boone and its future and committed to it being a community-supported organization was kind of the clincher for me to realize that there's something unique about this community that uh, really was appealing. And, and seeing the broad variety of people who were there was equally uh, as impressive to me. There were people from the spiritual community. There were people from the, the business and finance and banking community, people from the education community, uh, people who partner with Boone, people who don't have that much to do with Boone but still recognized the valuable role that it plays in this community. So it was, it was definitely the clincher meeting for me uh, to recognize that it was a unique opportunity. Yeah. So let's maybe talk about the other side of it, uh, of the equation. What are some of the biggest challenges that you see are, that are on the horizon uh, for Boone Hospital and and, uh, certainly other smaller hospitals, the same size as Boone Independent Hospitals. But what are the biggest challenges that you immediately see? Well, certainly right now in the immediate future, going independent is a significant undertaking for an institution of any size. Uh, Boone is certainly, relatively speaking, a relatively large hospital compared to some of the smaller hospitals in the region, Uh, but it's still a difficult transition, and people are having to learn new roles and expand their responsibilities. Um, But it's also one of the reasons I was intrigued by this opportunity, because it gives a chance for people to be very creative. Um, It it does show an incredible reflection on the the courage of this institution and the trustees to to take this bold step. Very specifically, I, I think there's two areas that, that I've watched carefully, and uh, one of the things that you always want to be sure of is that the, the medical staff, we want to make sure we ensure that our local physicians are healthy and strong, and we want to do what we can do as a system to support them to allow us to have the access for our community. Uh, having great health care resources available if you can't access them is, is not particularly helpful, and so that's one area that we really do want to focus on is on the medical staff. Uh, the second thing that's really important at this point in time is uh, we've got to be really focused on our team members. We want to identify, recruit, and retain those incredible team members who make uh, outstanding care and quality possible. Uh, we live in an increasingly scarce resource world when it comes to health care, whether it's physicians, um, whether it's personnel and staff, and so we've got to put that at the forefront of our thinking in order to meet the needs of this community. Yeah, it's you know it's interesting when you look at the challenges facing healthcare. Um, you know, you there's a, this automatic assumption that uh, bigger is better, or you know, or when you can collaborate and team up with other hospitals, it's it's better. But when you first heard from the trustees that they were embarking on this plan to become a freestanding independent hospital after 30 years was really one of the most successful healthcare corporations in America. Um, what was your initial reaction to that news? Well, you know, it is one of those things. At first, there's curiosity, you know, just to be frank. It's, it's like, hey, you know, what kind of drove this? Because really that 
curiosity is where you find that opportunity to say, well, what was missing or what did they think was a big opportunity? And I know that from all of my interactions here, people are overwhelmingly positive about things that BJC has done and we've done together and will continue to do going forward in terms of ensuring that uh, people in Missouri receive the kind of care that they need. Um, but the initial reaction kind of led to that inquisitive process of saying, well, what were some of those challenges? And I think at the end of the day, they want to make sure that because the, the local community is what this trustee group was so focused on, that that's where we were building our, our systems, our process. We want to make sure that that local voice was clearly heard, clearly implemented into our strategic planning, and uh, it drove the way we were thinking about the future of the hospital. Um, certainly, when you consider the idea of breaking away from an extremely successful and high-quality focused organization, um, you have to understand that you're going to be missing some economies of scale and some efficiency. And the good news for us is I think the relationship is still strong enough that the, the advice and the counsel and the wisdom you can get from a larger organization will still be readily available with the relationships that have been built for the last three de decades and three decades that this community is very thankful for. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of the areas where, where maybe BJC dropped the ball is uh, in the last few years, and their focus kind of changed as uh, Medicaid expansion changed. And But, you know, it's the relationship with physicians out in Macon and Moberly and Brookfield and, and Mexico and, and, uh, Marshall. Uh, those relationships with, with physicians and hospitals in the outlying communities is going to be essential, would you say? Oh, it's crucially, uh, essential to our healthcare fabric. Uh, but also sometimes the economy of those communities, right? It, it's a major employer and a major driver of the economic engine that keeps people sustained in a community. And so we, we want to make sure that those hospitals are able to thrive and, and find ways of supporting them. Yeah, it's it's um it's a pretty unusual experience to walk into Boone Hospital. Uh, and Dr. Kidd and I talked about this a few weeks ago, but... Uh, you know, the, the quality of the facility, the fact that everything is so clean and so new looking and the technology is, is really state of the art. Uh, it's, you don't walk into too many rural hospitals like that in America. No, and, um, you know, it's an interesting, uh, we're in many transitions in healthcare right now. I mean, uh, the truth of the matter is that Missouri has just gone through a significant change with the expansion of Medicaid, uh, and it's an ever-evolving market uh, recently with the, the change in uh, Obamacare, as it was affectionately referred to. Uh, lots of things came our way, and, and we adapted and, and, and changed, but some of the drivers for those outlying areas are very, very different and, and much more challenging in some ways and uh, very complex in terms of finding solutions. Uh, I, I think it's an absolute blessing to have the resources that Boone has for the sake of this community and for our providers to have state-of-the-art technology and equipment. In fact, this weekend, I'm going to spend some time later on today maybe sneaking over to the hospital because we're pulling out an, an older MRI and replacing it with a new one that has some features that are very important for our clinicians. So it gives me that chance of, of seeing kind of what's coming in. But that evolutionary process is forcing all of us to change and to adapt, and whether it's an inpatient versus an outpatient focus or what technology is available, we have to ensure that both the state-of-the-art 
Uh, most modern facilities are also being supportive of those hospitals that have different kinds of challenges in their, their outlying communities. That's the voice of Troy Greer, who is the new president of Boone Hospital Center, uh, on the job now 15 days, and uh, we are going to continue our conversation. We'll find out more about this new MRI that he just mentioned, but also uh, talk about some of the uh, the challenges and opportunities that come with being an independent freestanding hospital, which Boone will become at the end of this year. This is the CEO Roundtable. I'm Fred Perry, your host, back after this on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. Inside Columbia with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this morning. Hope you're enjoying your Saturday morning. A lot of things going on around town. Hope that you get out to, uh, to enjoy some of those things, including, including stopping by the farmer's market this morning and, and, uh, just seeing everything that's happening, uh, in our great city. Uh, we are so pleased to have the CEO and president of Boone Hospital Center, brand new on the job, about 15 days. Uh, if you've been listening to the show this morning, you know that we're visiting with Troy Greer about some of the, uh, the opportunities and challenges that he faces at Boone Hospital. But one of the challenges, and you mentioned it earlier in the program, you know, a hundred years ago when Boone Hospital first opened, they were dealing with uh, the Spanish influenza. Uh, but today we are dealing with the coronavirus pandemic, and uh, that has certainly been a challenge. But kind of talk about, you know, and again, you're you're new on the job, uh, but uh, what what has been the hospital's experience with COVID-19? And are we moving away uh, from that being a, a major focus? Well, you know, I don't think I could say we're moving away. I think the right way to look at it is that we're actually transitioning it from being something that was new and and extremely disruptive to now incorporating it into kind of our normal way of doing business. Um, The coronavirus is certainly something that I think uh, caught the entire world sort of by surprise, and healthcare was no different. Um, We've not seen an inordinate number of admitted patients uh, here at Boone. Uh, We've had more than than several dozen at times, or about 19, I think, the other day. Uh, But those patients are are relatively stable and doing well. So I don't know that I would say that we've moved beyond. We do continue to see the, the rates be a little bit higher than any of us would like. And so I do want to commend the community. I noticed when I came here that the uh, the responsibility of wearing masks and trying their best to protect their fellow uh, community members was significant. I did notice that. So I wouldn't say that we've moved beyond, but I certainly think that it affords us the chance to step back and recognize that we're all going to play a role in making sure that this doesn't spread out of control. What, how has the difference, how has the experience differed from, from what happened at Boone Hospital to what happened uh, at the hospital where you were uh, managing just a, a few weeks ago uh, in New Mexico, uh, how, based on what you've learned, how how different was the reaction? Well, it's it's a daylight and dark almost circumstance. Uh, we actually were on the other end of the spectrum. Um, some very at-risk populations were impacted by the, the coronavirus. And at one time, we had 81 patients and uh, more than 60 patients in the ICU setting. And so we had to re-engineer entire units and, and rebuild complete ICUs and units that were not ICUs before. Um, and it really did tax the, the staff over there. Uh, and I'm grateful for those heroes that came to work every day. And we have the same thing here. It's just been on a smaller scale. And so uh, the one thing that it did teach us for some of those hospitals, uh, those actually communities, not the hospitals, but New Jersey and some places in New Mexico early on is that uh, you've got to be 
diligent to ensure you don't get overwhelmed. And uh, it, it was just a, a very different story. Here, they've managed it very well. There have been appropriate protocols, and we've kind of tried to standardize that workflow into the rest of our workflow because we also don't want to lose sight of the fact that we're here for many other illnesses and diseases, but coronavirus is certainly taking a huge amount of our time and focus. Yeah. So would you say the difference, I mean, uh, you know, the fact that maybe Boone at any given time only had four or five ICU rooms in use for COVID-19, uh, would you? what was the difference? Would you say that it had to do with the community attitude towards the spread of the disease or what, what, what was different about New Mexico? Well, I think it's hard to say. I think it was very early um, before uh, you know, we, we saw the proliferation of cases sort of in the mid to early part of March. And so I think by the time we realized the magnitude of it, there were certain pockets with very close geographic proximity, um, sometimes with multiple generations living in the same household. Uh, it, it just created some challenges that weren't yet anticipated by the community at large. And as you and I know, that this is a disease that disproportionately impacts those who are elderly with other kind of medical conditions. And so after a period of time, we began to adapt to that and make sure that those populations had additional protections. And I, I think that the community responded to that and did the same thing. Um, you know, the behavior began to match the risk profile that the disease presented. And so I, I think it became a little bit, even though our cases continued to go up in, in my previous community, we actually saw a decrease in the number of patients that needed to be admitted. So even though the case count tripled, we actually saw a reduction in the number of patients that needed to be admitted, especially to the ICU. So when you um, take a look at uh, sort of the financial trends that have happened uh, in recent months, of course, shutting down surgeries is something, or mostly shutting down uh, elective surgeries, uh, is something that is a significant hardship on the financial performance of the hospital. Uh, Have we had a chance to recover from that? Well, we, we've seen it improve, and certainly that hardship, although financial for an institution, we, you know, you and I both know that the most important part of that is the poor patient who kind of got caught in the middle of it that was needing other types of care. But we have seen that that uh, the quote-unquote business side of what we do return. Um, so having that activity come back into our hospitals, back into our physician offices, it's good not only for uh, the psyche of the the caregivers it's great for the economy it starts to restore some some degree of normalcy i know that we all kind of joke about what is the new normal uh but for many of us being able to care for our patients and make sure that they get the the health care that they need is a huge part of who we are and to not have that experience was detrimental to uh, people's well-being and not to mention the fact that many of our providers are small businesses themselves and and cutting off that supply of, of patient activity was very difficult for them yeah you know, uh, you are, as we've mentioned several times, uh, new on the job, but, but the trustees themselves, I, I want to talk a little bit about the transition to an independent freestanding hospital. The trustees have been working uh, on this uh, transition for five years solid, and uh, they've en- enlisted the support of a lot of uh, great consultants and financial experts and healthcare experts. But um, as you um, are looking at the days leading up to the official transition, um Talk a little bit about the financial uh, aspect of this. Uh, would you say the trustees are uh, in a good position right now to, to move into something that some people who maybe don't understand it say is a very risky move? Well, you know, in, in an odd sort of way, it's it's a little bit of both. Yes, they're in a wonderful position, but I think they would acknowledge it. It still is somewhat of a risky move, and um, we want to make sure what we do on an operational level is ensure that the the quality of service that the community feels 
translates over into the activities that we have to assume as part of being an independent organization. Um, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, like any other business, we have to have a process by which we bill for the services rendered and collect for that. And so we want to make sure that those kinds of things run very, very well. The truth of the matter is that um, being an efficient and, and well-run organization is uh, a natural part for an organization that focuses on quality and service uh, because you tend to demand excellence in everything that you do. And, and so for us, it's a continuation of what people might see in the care model of how we're going to have to run what we refer to often as the, the back office uh, process of what we do every day. And so there are employees that have taken that task on. They're excited. they built models. We've gotten contracts in place. And so I think we're well prepared. Uh, to take this on, but there will be learning opportunities and there'll be a, a few things, no matter how well you plan, that are maybe surprises and require us to do some pretty quick mid-course corrections, but we're excited by this opportunity and looking forward to the transition. Yeah, well, that's that's great. I think uh, everybody is, and it's, it's certainly uh, an interesting time in, in healthcare, and, and um, you know, as you, as you kind of think about uh, the opportunities that we've had over the last 30 years with, with BJC Healthcare, what are some of those things that... Um, uh, one of the things that always impressed me about BJC is that they were sort of on the leading edge of organizational efficiency and, you know, theory and practice and, and, uh, you know, the, the, the black belt, the Six Sigma stuff that sort of, that uh, really most medium sized companies don't get to experience. But, but here was BJC Healthcare, the largest employer in the state of Missouri with over 29,000 employees at one time really uh sort of leading the way on the cutting edge of some of the uh organizational practices um what are some of the things that we're going to miss about our relationship with bjc healthcare when when they move on down the road well a quick side story about uh, that when i actually went into graduate school to get my master's degree in healthcare administration <clears throat> as well as an mba the very first class i had to do was studying the bjc creation oh really and uh, it was a, a wonderful class uh, one of the one of the instructors that we had, Dr. Cindy Shuchuk, actually is a, a native to St. Louis, and so for her it was a very personal thing to discuss. But it it was that first intro to me for graduate level education around the healthcare system. And so you're absolutely right; they're very well thought of, uh, not just regional but national provider of services. I think some of those things that will be missed is they've got a wealth of, of depth and a wealth of experience. And uh, when you need to to reach an a, a expert on a particular topic, they're readily available and uh, are always here to try to help the community just like uh, Boone's mission is. And so I, I think that that depth of experience is going to be something that's hard to replicate initially uh, because people are going to be doing things for the first time uh, in, in a long time and maybe for the first time ever in their careers because they've always had that resource to rely upon. Uh, but their expertise around uh, system and process design, you're, you're right. Having that ability to, to send in lean engineers or what we call process engineers to ensure that something is being designed to maximize the potential outcome for patients is something that uh, many organizations don't have access to. The good news for Boone in particular is even though we're making this transition, we do have some of those uh, individuals and those experts in, in process design that will be with us uh, going forward, but we will certainly miss that depth of experience and uh, the level of expertise that they have just because of their size and scope. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, that will be missed. Now, the, the other, uh, what do you see as the opportunities now that you can kind of, you know, I, th I think one of the, the big issues for 
Boone Hospital in the last 20 years has been really the inability to partner with physicians. And we've seen that change in healthcare. We've seen a lot of hospitals around the country uh, develop surgery centers um, and more aggressive partnerships with uh, physician groups. And and unfortunately, Boone just did not have the opportunity to do that under the, the BJC uh, healthcare reign. And so um, what do you see down the road as, as opportunities with, with our local physicians? Well, they are the backbone of, of how we deliver care, right? Um, you know, all of us develop a relationship, and you know, uh, the primary care network is uh, both a, a good mix here between employed physicians as well as our independent physicians in the community. But we want to find opportunities to collaborate in ways that make sense not only for the community but also for the respective organizations. Uh, you you just have to recognize, and I, I think that most do, that if a relationship is one-sided, if a relationship only works for one of the multiple parties, it's not something that's sustainable. So we are definitely going to be more uh, willing to find opportunities that help us deliver on our mission and uh, and working with our local providers here in this community. What have been your initial impressions as you have met with uh, physicians? I was talking to one yesterday that had met with you already this week. And um, what's been your initial impression as you, as you talk to physicians about the past and as you talk about the future? Well, you know, it, it is interesting. I do love to have a sense of history, and many of the physicians I've met with are, are, are happy to share with me how they came to the community, the things that they've loved about being here, and of course, they share with me those opportunities that are more challenging and, and some of their frustrations. And what I found is an immense and deep passion for this community, for their patients, and uh, they want the best place to take care of their patients that offers the highest quality. And so I, they're very, very committed to where we're going. They're very committed to uh, to the people here who need health care. Um, there are some challenges for them. I mean, certainly uh, having the resources and the expertise to recruit and to find uh, young physicians and young proceduralists to come in and join these practices has been a little bit of a challenge. And so we're going to find opportunities to collaborate. We certainly want to ensure that we always have access, and that we always have the expertise we need to provide care to those that need it. Yeah. When we come back from this break, I will continue our conversation with uh, Boone Hospital's new president, Troy Greer, and we'll talk about uh, uh, some of the opportunities that we have before us. But I'm also going to introduce you to two women who are going to be replacing me on this program for a number of weeks. Uh, the powers that be are removing me from this program because I'm up for election, running for my second term as county commissioner. And uh, just to be fair, we're going to step off the air f- until the election is held. But I want to introduce you to the two women that are replacing me. Uh, they are probably people that are familiar to you. Uh, but uh, we'll come back and do that after this break. On the CEO Roundtable, I'm Fred Perry, your host. We are visiting with Troy Greer, the new president of Boone Hospital. This is Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle.
He's breaking down what's going on inside Columbia. It's Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the third segment of the CEO Roundtable. Good Saturday morning to everybody. Fred Perry, your host today. Uh, we have Troy Greer on the line, who is the new president of Boone Hospital Center. But I want to take a minute and introduce you to two ladies who are going to be filling in, uh, replacing me on this program uh, until November 3rd, which I think is the same date as when coronavirus is going away. Uh, but anyway, we are going to, uh, uh, they're going to fill in for me while I'm up for re-election, just so that I don't have an unfair advantage on anybody who wants to run against me uh, for county commissioner. Uh, Peggy Kirkpatrick, uh, good morning to you. Good morning, Mr. And, Fred, uh, Commissioner Fred. Uh, your uh, co-host is someone who has impeccably good taste in men, mm. my beautiful wife, Melody. How are you? I'm doing great this morning. Good. Uh, now, neither of you are strangers to uh, radio shows, but uh, Peggy, you were the executive director of the Central Missouri Food Bank. Um, I know it's got a longer name than that, but uh, uh, for the sake of time, uh, how many years were you at the food bank? 22 years. And you are now the uh, running the, the foundation for Gary Pinkle's uh, foundation. Is that correct? The GP Made Foundation. The GP That's Made correct. Foundation. Okay, very good. And for people that don't know what that means, that means Gary Pinkle Made. And um, we, you guys have had some great success. You're supporting a lot of children's causes in our community. That's correct. And the GP Made is Gary Pinkle Make a Difference Every Day. Okay, very That's good. That's the acronym. Okay. Well, that's excellent, and we are so glad that you're going to fill in because you certainly have your opinions, and it's going to be good. And your connections not me. to the, <laughs> not me, your connections to the community, and uh, so Melody, you were uh, the uh, the star of a, a, a radio show that ran for more than ten years here in Mid Missouri, uh, the Woman Show. Um, talk a little bit about uh, who you are and what you bring to the table. Well, I don't know if I bring to the table, but we did have a talk show for 13 years and just talked about women's issues and what was affecting women. And it was a real lighthearted show. But I would say, you know, I'm not really trying to replace you, Fred. You know, that's, that's tough to do. Uh, Peggy and I are just going to come in and hover over for a few weeks until you're ready to come back. Okay. Well, that's great. I appreciate it. And, of course, you were uh, the coordinator of the Speaking of Women's Health. Uh, the thousands of Missourians know you through Speaking of Women's Health, which is uh, was a great success here in this community. And Boone Hospital was a big part of that as well. But uh, So you two will interview guests. Uh, the format will stay the same. You'll interview local CEOs and, and talk about important issues in our community and mm-hmm. and uh thank you for agreeing to fill in even if i had to twist a couple of arms so yes. anyway thank you we're, we're excited to start next week absolutely and, and peggy people cannot see the dirty look you're giving me because this is radio all right Just <laughs> we're so getting you paid so much <laughs> yes <too. laughs> exactly right all right well thank you let's continue our conversation with troy greer uh, troy thanks for uh, hanging on with us and and uh you know uh, a lot of exciting things happening uh, at boone hospital right now but one of the things that i think is that uh, been a sort of a big debate in this community and and certainly uh as you look at the economic engine that that drives uh this community uh, you have to understand the unique relationship between the University of Missouri Hospital, MU Healthcare, and Boone Hospital. So half of our listeners this morning will say, well, we don't want Boone Hospital to have anything to do with University Hospital. The other half will say, wow, it would sure be nice if these two hospitals could find a way to work together, still be competitors, but find a way to collaborate. Based on what you've, your research and, and what you've discovered in, in your time here, um, what about that complicated relationship with MU Healthcare? 
Well, you know, it, you've nailed the the one thing that always seems to be <clears throat> hard to understand. I think for community members, and that is the the spirit of both cooperation and competition at the same time. And you know, for me, it, it's an interesting dynamic. But really good, strong universities, which uh, MU obviously is, they have many missions, and sometimes those those missions allow us to do things collaboratively that are, are possible. Whereas if they were just a, a pure healthcare competitor, maybe they wouldn't have the same interest in doing. Uh, I also think that we're, we're driven by a mission and, and vision and values that require us to say, hey, what's in the best interest of the communities that we serve? And so I think that there's sort of this common ground where we should be coming together and saying, how could we collaborate? How could we cooperate? Um, and I don't know what those opportunities might be now. I'm certainly open to it. And in fact, I've reached out to a, a former business associate and friend of mine who actually currently works at MU Health and uh, made contact with him before I ever left New Mexico and just told him that I was excited to come here and uh, he was excited to have conversations with me as well. And so I look forward to those conversations and, and certainly I, I don't have grand visions of what it must look like, but I think if you don't sit down and engage in conversations with potential uh, people you can work with in order to ensure the health of a community, I, I just don't think you can find those opportunities. You've got to invest the time and conversation and listening to be able to identify potential opportunities. Yeah, and I know that some of our listeners have heard this story before, but back in 2014, our 16-year-old son was in a horrific car accident. Uh, he and two of his buddies wrapped a car around a tree at 91 miles an hour, and uh, they took paramedics an hour to cut him out of the car, and of course, because it was trauma, they were taken to University Hospital. And at the same time, I was the chairman of the board of, of trustees at Boone Hospital, and and my allegiance was to, was to Boone Hospital completely. But it really opened my eyes having my son in the trauma unit at, at University Healthcare uh, to the uh, exceptional technology and and service that you you get over there, and and that really opened my eyes to to looking at Columbia and, and Boone County as really a healthcare a regional healthcare hub uh, that could really be the the Mayo of the Midwest, the Cleveland uh, Institute of 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 the Midwest the Cleveland Clinic of, of the Midwest. But, you know, I just, it, there are so many good things happening at, at both hospitals and they sort of complement each other. They really, uh, they, you do things they don't do. They do things you don't do. Uh, there is some overlap, but, uh, man, it just seems like there's a lot of opportunity there. No, and I agree. And I, I think, uh, much like you, I come from, uh, most recent community that had the exact same sort of setup, even though my hospital had lots of acuity and really intense services. In fact, the university actually engaged me to find out how they could increase some of their high acuity services, but I wasn't a trauma center and they were the trauma center. And so we, we both learned an appreciation for what our skills and gifts were. And we had open dialogue and honest dialogue about what we were and what we weren't and what we wanted to be and those things that we thought we would never be pursuing in order to find those opportunities to ensure that people get the care that they need. Uh, there, you know, there certainly will be opportunities for us to compete, which is actually good because we want to raise the bar for quality and service. Yeah. And we want to earn the right for patients to be feel comfortable coming to either institution. And that's something that we have uh, both a, a moral responsibility but as well as a business responsibility to be the best that we can possibly be, which I can't think of a better relationship than for one organization to challenge the other to become better at something that they, they struggle with uh, or to find an opportunity to collaborate so that we can deliver those services in a way that may make sense where either party might not be able to do it themselves. Yeah. 
one of the things that one of the terms that we all learned during uh, COVID-19 was something called catchment area. And the fact that so many sick people, people that were very sick with COVID-19, were coming to Columbia to get their health care, either because they needed hospitalization or intensive care or or to be put on a ventilator. Um, But talk about the catchment area that Boone Hospital serves. This is something that I think a lot of people just simply aren't aware of. Well, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, I think as civic leaders, we, we kind of divide communities up with lines on a map and, and things of that nature. Uh, but for people, they, they tend to, to move and, and gravitate to where they need services, and in this case, care. Uh, we actually serve uh, more than actually 26 counties uh, actually fall into our catchment area. And so even though the population of Columbia itself uh, is significantly smaller than the total area that we serve, uh, it's in the neighborhood between 600 and 700,000 people that actually are, are receiving care in this area. And so I, I think with that comes some, some unique challenges of, of making sure that you're handling logistics in a way that's very fair to those families that are coming in. You mentioned COVID at the beginning of this, this intro for, for this question, and COVID is testing some of those uh, abilities of us to involve the family to the degree that we would want to. Uh, sometimes you would have uh, multiple family members that would be in the room with the patient and, and listening and being attentive to what their needs would be post-discharge. Well, now in order to protect our, our staff and to protect the patients from the possible spread of COVID, we've not been able to do some of those things. And we've collaborated on, on visitation policies that uh, meet that need, but obviously on a bit of a diminished scale than what we could do before. And so, you know, I, I do think that as we look at the the patients who come from a long way away. In fact, my very first day, uh, I wanted to make sure I entered the hospital early to catch the night shift, and I was here by about 5 a.m. and, and trying to round, and I found out that I was locked out, <laughs> which was a good thing. <laughs> yeah. But when I was finally let into the hospital, uh, I, I would run into a, a young lady and her mother, and uh, the young lady was here to have a procedure done. And I said, oh, well, uh, how, how far was your drive in? And she said, oh, we drove in from Kansas City. Hmm. And I was I was surprised by that, and I said, you drove all the way in from Kansas City. I said, well, why did you do that, knowing some of the resources there in Kansas City? And she made the statement to me. She said, my doctor loves me enough to send me to a place that gives the best care. Wow. And so that really mm. resonated with me that even though we have a service area that made to be defined by this, we have some of our... Uh, members of our, our medical staff that bring patients in from Illinois and, and from far-flung areas because they give such great care, and it's an honor to be able to serve people from a myriad of geographic locations. Yeah, and that's becoming so much more important as as we see the trend of of rural hospitals closing, and and we certainly have seen that here in Mid Missouri, a lot of consolidation and. And, you know, the, the economies, the, the economics just are certainly not there anymore for a small town hospital to, uh, exist. And so it, it does, uh, really increase our responsibility with Boone Hospital as, as a regional provider. And those relationships are absolutely critical with, with doctors, uh, uh, in outlying areas. They absolutely are, and, you know, we have some affiliation relationships with uh, some of these outlying areas, and uh, it requires us to be really on our game. It requires us to be attentive to the needs of those referring physicians uh, because they are the backbone of that primary care process, and when a patient returns after a hospitalization or a procedure that was necessary in a larger institution, we have to do a good job of a warm handoff, uh, showing the compassion that we delivered here to those other providers in the outlying areas so that they they, they know what to expect when the patient returns, and they can pick up that care uh, process and, and carry it forward. 
And so we are fully committed to helping those, those outlying communities and ensuring that we do our part so that the communication is good. Um, it's not always easy. Sometimes we have platforms from an IT perspective that don't communicate very well, but it's on us to find a solution so that they have the information they need in, in order to care for these patients. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your weekend as we wrap up here. You had mentioned uh, that later today you're going to be at the hospital to look at, um, uh, be a part of the new MRI being installed. Uh, tell us about the new MRI. Well, this is very exciting. Uh, you know, one of the things that we do is we, we look for technology that addresses the, the clinical need, but also is sensitive to some of our patients' concern. And we're installing our, our system's second wide bore magnet uh, here on our campus. We have one down at our Nifong campus, and uh, we're actually replacing an older unit with a wide bore unit here, which just the, the cylinder, if you've ever been into an MRI, it kind of looks like a giant donut, yep. and uh, the center portion is just broader. And so those who are not terribly comfortable in tight spaces, I feel a little bit better having a procedure here. It's far quieter. Uh, It really is uh, done in order to ensure that our patients have the best possible experience, especially those that may be a little claustrophobic or or not enjoy the the sound and, and the cacophony of the magnet running around you. And so it's a great opportunity for us to meet the needs of those patients that might have those challenges or concerns. Excellent, Tony. Thanks for joining us. That's Tony Greer, the new president of Boone Hospital right here in Boone County. This is Fred Perry. I'm going to sign off here until November something, but uh, join us next week because next Saturday morning, uh, Melody Perry, my wife, and Peggy Kirkpatrick will be hosting the show for several weeks. Uh, Appreciate you all tuning in and being a part of this experience. This is the CEO Roundtable on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. This city is my city and I love it. Yeah, I love it.